Hello, listeners of the ASI podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode number nine, season seven. Titling this episode, Fearing the Worldview Shift, with David and Andrew Taylor. Today, joining me from Hawaii, the island state, it is Seth Taylor's identical twin brother, David, and his son, Andrew. Again, big thanks to Glenn and Carlton for being co-producers of this episode and... If you would like to be a co-producer, ASI247.org, you can sign up to be a monthly contributor or give a one-time pledge for content creation. (laughs) Uh, ASI247.org, again, is the website. Little Bumper by Scott Stapp, The Purpose for Pain, album of the same name. Taking this thing off, let's go! I wait in the dark, you whisper winds. I hide like you wait because I know how it ends. In circles of hell, the weight of the world. Like, this guy is 21. You're old enough to remember me going through all that. I don't remember at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry <man>. No. <laughs> I was like seven. Yeah, my young kids, my young kids at the time. For me, for me, it was it, you know, my kids. I have a, I have twenty one year old, fourteen year old, ten year old, all boys. My fourteen year old, my ten year old do not remember dad as a as a super hot tempered, you know, suicidal addiction, just depression. That he does. I shot every door We're recording. Welcome, Andrew and David Taylor. Having uh, David on now. It's, it was Seth was in here earlier. We were having a little meeting, and it was cool to see the Taylor twins, you know, and have you <laughs> all on, on the screen. So Andrew's joining us. This is uh, your oldest son, right? Yeah, he's just 21. Yeah, oh, boy. Father-son team, and you guys are starting soon the uh, – my Pilgrimage Podcast, which will be upcoming. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Andrew's the engineer, uh, producer. Uh, he kind of got – he's a sound guy, and he's, he's, uh, he's studying uh, business and esports gaming and production. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, uh, in, in college, starting in the fall. So being stuck at home with his parents, right? Uh, he got, he got kind of roped into this production – mode and he's helping me kind of get everything underway so we're launching june 1st first episode we're going to put a trailer kind of a trailer about the podcast that's going to go out probably tomorrow oh cool um, and then uh we're gonna we'll start it yeah first episode june 1st it's gonna be great right on that's awesome man and i'm looking forward to what you're gonna do andrew because i started this podcast in 2005 in november so before most people knew what a 
freaking podcast was. <laughs> I do a podcast, you know. Do you write a blog? That's how I started this too, by the way, is I had a, a counselor. I was in, you know, kind of Christian counseling at the time. And, and my counselor was like, hey, Russ, like you got a lot of thoughts, man. Like you ever thought of like writing a journal or keeping a blog? And like I'm ADHD and dyslexic. Like I don't write shit down, you know? So I thought, you know, why not do a podcast? I've always loved talk radio and uh, guys like Howard Stern. I thought it would be like the Christian version of Howard Stern or Tom Likas or someone like that, you know? And uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a ride, but, but I'm really encouraged by what you're going to do with the technology that's available to people today. Because there's so much great stuff out there. Uh, we had a little meeting and I was kind of telling you guys about, you know, RSS feeds and things like yeah. that. Yeah, it's helpful stuff, man. Yeah, but the tech is, is interesting and, and where it's going to go. I guess uh, podcasts now are, are outperforming blogs. More people listen to podcasts and read blogs today. Um, they've beaten talk radio as far as hours of content and monetization and stuff like that. It's an exciting time to start a, a podcast and yeah, dealing with some of the content that we deal with. It's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, no, we're going to, it's going to be interesting. We're going to be, cause we're going to, we're going to start by going back to the beginning of, of, you know, the book that Seth and I wrote, my feels like redemption. And we're going to, we're going to go back. We're going to actually take a lot of the video content that we created as a part of the, my pilgrimage program. We're going to put those, the pod, the first podcast episodes are essentially going to be wrapped around those videos. So we'll start out with an introduction to the video. We'll talk a little bit about kind of what that was going to be about. And then we'll have it after the, we'll have the video and for the audio version of the podcast, we'll put the audio and put it in and then we'll have a kind of a discussion at the end with either Seth and I, or, um, you know, people that have read the book and, and gone through some of that stuff and just, ha and, and around some of the topics. And once we've kind of moved through a lot of the video content, um, you know, then we're going to just going to keep going. We're going to keep exploring and, and we're going to be talking to people all over the, all over the world, all over the religious spectrum, all over in terms of approach to not just, not just, uh, concepts around, um, sexuality and pornography and addiction, but just even just deeper, further beyond, because one of the things that we've really discovered is, you know, and this is a big part of Seth's work, excuse me about that, um, is that, <laughs> the fixation that we have about pornography, especially in the Christian church, right? There's yeah. this fixation around it. It becomes the focus of, of dealing in addiction and some of that. It's, it becomes the enemy for a lot of people. It's the bad thing. Yeah. Um, one of the first things the thing we need to fight, right? I used to use those analogies early on. Some of that kind yeah. of fighting <laughs> language. I got to get my shield on and you know, got a yeah. sword and I'm yeah. going to beat porn. Like it's some kind of fucking dragon or something. Right. Well, it's, it's it, you know, the biblical narrative of warfare is so dominant in those ancient cultures, in the, especially in the Old Testament, that it was a, kind of a natural, it's a natural way to go. And if, if, if you're a church and you're, or you're a, a church leader and you're trying to come up and wrap a theology around dealing with, you know, an eight out of 10 guys in your church are addicted to porn, then you, you're, you're going to start with a war narrative, right? That was the very first you know, major book that came out inside the church. Remember it was uh, every man's battle. Yeah. battle. Yeah. I mean, it was, and that book messed me up, bro. But, but when our <laughs> pastor stood in front of the church and he held that up, I mean, it was like a, with the biggest church in Alaska at the time when I was living there and he, he stood up, he said, every man in the church needs to buy this book. Every man in the church bought that book. 
And I, and I, at the time, having so much shame and guilt of that, I, I actually asked Maria to buy it. My yeah. wife was like, can you go? I don't want to go over to the, the book the store area of the lobby. They had a bookstore in the actual church, book. and that's why they told you to buy the book. <laughs> right. They sold a lot of copies of that book. <laughs> and, of that, and that copy, I think that book ended up selling like two and a half million copies or something like that in the first couple of years it was out. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and, and the pastor himself is more than likely dealing with it. I think that that's a big nice. part of this conversation, too, is that there seems to be, especially in Christian circles and, and maybe in, you know, colleges and in education as well, there's this kind of, let's put forth the information. Like, I don't want to be vulnerable and actually talk about the fact that I struggle with this, but I'll do a sermon on it. I'll write a book about it. I'll plug this guy's book about it. Yeah. So yeah that's, that's way to go. Yeah. We had, we had uh, I think that most of the guys that Seth and I have met over the years doing retreats or things like that around my pilgrimage stuff, most of them were in some form or another in the ministry. They were in, they were pastors, youth pastors, deacons in their church. They were, they were in those spaces and they were dealing with, with like exponential amounts of shame around their own, you know, addiction to pornography. I mean, for me, it was a big deal because I had, I had, and this was part of what drove me in. And I had three boys at the time. I still do have three boys. They're all alive still. Um, but being a father to three sons and stuff and having to work through all of that. And uh, that's part of what pushed me to the bottom. Was that like, I, I'm a horrible father. I'm, I'm a horrible Christian. I'm a horrible husband. I'm horrible. I'm just, da, 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 da. well, if you put on top of that, you have an entire church that you're responsible for. Like, right. Yeah. That's so that's true. Intense. Yeah. And the guys, that and I, so intense. That's what I love about what you guys wrote too, is that it's not just information, you know, um, Bill Hybels, the disgraced pastor now of Willow Creek, who, you know, was that 11 women counting that came out against him, sexual, um, you know, he used his position and power to manipulate them into sexual situations. And he still hasn't admitted to that. Nice. You know, if it's one or two, you know, you can kind of question. But when you have 11, like, come on, dude, like, mess <laughs> up, like, t you know, stop, <laughs> stop. But my my point is that he wrote books on this stuff. Part of the the title of this podcast, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, yeah. Integrity was some of the language that Heibel's used. Like I was kind of a fan of the guy at the time. Yeah. And, and he was just basically trying to put out this kind of information-based strategy, maybe a, a, a fighting kind of strategy, because he himself struggled with it. And he knew, like he had all the intellectual tools to fight that thing, but it's, it's the shame that gets inside yeah. him, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, isn't talked about it because like, I think Christian culture like uses it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be a positive thing or something. Hold on. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, no, we, we were, we were constantly told that, <laughs> that, that, uh, that conviction that the Holy spirit was using that to kind of convict us to make us feel that feel guilty for something that that was something that God was actually doing for us to help us, which now that I look back on it, it's a really poor way to go about that. If I'm the creator of the universe and I'm trying to change behaviors, if I'm in the behavior changing business, HR. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, HR. If I'm trying to do that, then I'm not, 
I'm certainly not doing that by shaming and shaming people into, you know, doing it. It's just kind of a crazy thing, man. Yeah, and people have, and you know, just a few weeks ago, I heard a a sermon by a, a pastor. I visited his church. I have, I don't really go to a, a church anymore. <laughs> like I don't have like a a quote church home, but I have a lot of friends who are pastors, and and I think that's one of the the things that is is not understood very well is how shame operates and. It's not, you know, like if you do something bad, you feel bad. And I think the cultural norm is to say that that feeling is shame. No, no that's, you know, guilt is like I did something wrong. I feel bad, course correction, right? Shame is like I didn't just do something bad. Like I am bad. Like down in my core, I'm bad. The self talk that goes along with that feeling is is what you guys address in your book that's what's so brilliant about my pilgrimage and and what you guys do or what you've written and and that's why i'm excited to see what you do with the podcast oh, that, I'll, I'll give you a little preview of what we're doing so what we do we built a new website and on the website all the video content that we had before all the video content from uh um that was created over the course of about three and a half years yeah uh, is all going to be available for free we're not even going to put a window on it. We're not going right. to block it. Yeah, we're not. Before, when you would purchase, when you would, when it was under the Triple X Church Ministry, it, it, you would purchase it, and it would be part of a kind of a course in Kajabi. You would go and get a login, and then you would go through the thing. We're not going to do that. We're going to just put it all out there, and anybody who wants to watch, you can watch it, you can share it, you can give it to anybody you want. All the PDFs that we created over the years um, are going to be free downloads. It's just yeah. going to be an open source thing. And then... The books, which we're still working on kind of changing the publishing rights over from Triple X Church to our company, um, the books will be available, but the guidebook is going to be much, much more affordable. Um, the, the, the feels like redemption will be the same price. I think it's $15.99. The guidebook is now going to be $24.99 instead of like $100 is what Triple X Church was charging for it. Because that guidebook is, over the years, the feedback we've gotten on it, that that's the most powerful thing that any of these people were doing is that they were buying that guidebook and they were walking through it and filling it out. That's going to be available now on Amazon.com as soon as I get that thing switched over, which we're almost there. Well, hopefully June 1st, it'll be ready. So, um, and then everything else in the podcast too, will be free. We are going to put a Patreon account for people who are like, Hey, I'd like to, you know, help out with, you know, the production of the podcast. Um, yeah. Maybe get this guy some food money. college. Oh, I think I'm going to make him still do it. I don't know. First step is to buy an actual piece of software. Right, right, yeah. We got to buy some software. Yeah. So we're Jimmy rigging a lot of this stuff right now, and he's doing a great job, kind of adapting. But um, so we're going to get people to support the podcast, um, and people can buy the books and stuff like that. But for the most part, we're giving this stuff away because I think in, in general, our intention along the way was always that we wanted to make it available, not just to Christian audiences. Yeah. Um, I think that this approach of understanding the spirit, understanding healing, understanding um, it, it's not a religious concept. I think it's actually yeah. part of our identity as human beings is that we're not just this physical body, that there's this entire energetic body that helps us work through this kind of stuff. So we're going to, we're going to be talking a lot about that in the podcast and just trying to help guys through it. So um, yeah, we're excited, man. We're really excited. It's be great. Yeah. I, I feel you with it the definition of spirit is something that I've been working through lately in the show. The last, I, I did a show, an episode, a couple episodes ago called Knights in Shining Armor, right? Mm-hmm. Now this is a term, you know, that that's used in culture to describe maybe the savior kind of complex or, but there's so much language that 
you're right. Like it, we, we automatically go to religion. I would say that from a religious standpoint, I wouldn't even put that in. in a reli- I, I would say that religion has definitely been the, 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 the machine that we have invented to try and understand it and put words to it. Yeah. Um, there's a, even a scientific kind of platform for that now. And I think that what, a lot of what you see in, in, in quantum theory and around like Bell's theorem and these things of trying to understand the, the kind of subatomic unity of all things and stuff like that, there's a lot of different kind of venues that are trying to understand why are we alive? Why does this meat puppet that I carry around have breath and consciousness and awareness? You know, why? Are, I think that, and so like by defining some of that, um, and I'll go back to like my friend Floyd who kind of started this whole thing for me and, and led me down the, the, the early parts of this path of healing. And he, he would always say, you know, you're, you're a Christian, right? And I said, yeah, he goes, don't you Christians understand? You talk about spirit all the time. And I'd say, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we do. And he knew, he said, don't, this, you don't understand spirit at all. Like you don't, you don't, you don't understand it at all. You don't know how to use it. You don't know where it is. You don't know what it does. And I was like, no, you're right. I, I don't, you know, I talk about it as a head concept. And I think it's a religious idea because we have it all over in the Bible, but we don't necessarily understand it as a practical reality. Um, just like my fingernails are a practical part of my daily life and I have to take care of them. I, these are practical realities. That spirit can be something that's that real. It's just it happens to be invisible. This is why Seth, you know, he gets into his Jedi metaphors, man. That guy, like, you know, he's even got a Jedi tattoo on his side because of because so much of what George Lucas and by in turn Buddhism and all the other kind of things have put better words to that stuff. You know, they've they've, they've created more helpful metaphors for understanding spirit. You know, than we necessarily have in the West. You know, if you go into Greek philosophy and so that, and exactly what you were talking about, you know, um, concepts of spirit that Peter Rollins talks about, they can be really great from an intellectual standpoint. Yeah. But you, you, I've, I've met some really, really smart guys, man, that were really, really struggling. You know, yeah. and it's because they needed that more Eastern, invisible, practical version of spirit. That, that right. and it, can it really help me? You know, can I really, can I really stop drowning in this stuff? You know, can I get out of my head? You know, yeah, yeah. So. the head can just really keep you stuck, and people don't realize that. Yeah. I think that's the the title of the book, right? Feels like redemption. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the whole thing. Yeah, we were always saying like, and it was because freedom with these all these concepts of freedom that we talked about, in like a, in, in every man's battle and stuff like that. It got to the point with me, and with Seth as well, where, where the head concept, it wasn't doing anything. You were, everybody was telling you you were free because you were a Christian. Yeah. You're free. You're a Christian. You're free. You're going to heaven. You know, all this stuff. And, and nothing felt free. And, and I was always like, you know, freedom should be felt. It should be a felt experience. Yes. In your body, where you feel things. <laughs> and it was like, I remember when I kind of clicked, I was like, wait a second. Feeling is an important skill. It's really important. And that's why the, the book is titled that because, because we want everybody to learn how to feel. And you feel transformation, you know, I think some of the kind of conservative right wing, like they're afraid of the, Oh, you feel everything. Everyone's wanting to feel oh, yeah. stuff. But oh, yeah. the truth is if you're transformed, yes. that is a feeling. That is something that you feel. What is the Holy spirit doing? while you know, 
Jesus is saving us from the Father, right? <laughs> like the Spirit, like the Father, Son, Spirit, they are one, you know. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus says. Like that goes against a lot of that teaching. But we're so we're so kept in our head and, it, and I think it's I think it's subconsciously a way to keep the systems and institutions running, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't Every every society that wants to, if you want to get rid of religion, it has it, it, it'll be a destructive process unless you go really really slow. And we're, we're not trying to like in this process, you know, for us, I'm not trying to get rid of religion. I'm not trying yeah. to get rid of belief systems at all. I'm I'm trying to just find that felt freedom, and, and that's what it was was a search for that, and so that I could be feel good about being a dad. You know, yeah. Like this guy is 21. You know, he was you're old enough to remember me going through all that. I remember it all. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, sorry no. <laughs> I was like seven yeah my young kids my young kids at the time for me for me it was it, you know, my kids I have a 21 year old 14 year old 10 year old all boys my 14 year old my 10 year old do not remember dad as a as a super hot tempered uh, you know suicidal addiction just depression that he does right. that is a good chunk of his especially his young childhood but you know, his first 10 years of life, especially, but my other kids, they don't have that, that same kind of recollection, but he, and he also went to church a ton and those kids have never been to church. Like, and they don't even know really, like they, they'll ask it once in a while. Oh, you know, what is, what is that? What's the thing? What do you do? What's a church for? I'll go, oh, I don't know. You guys have friends. You guys want to go to church and go to church. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, you know, but <laughs> so <laughs> yes, yeah, him and I have had much deeper conversations about this kind of thing, you know, whereas my kids are asking really basic conversations, you know, they, you know, they're, they don't have that. They don't have those same kind of uh, wounds, I guess, you know, so, right. yeah. um, it's been interesting to have this kind of guy be my mirror a little bit as we start to talk about some of those deeper things. And, and yeah, I feel you, man. And my, my kids went through that too. Both my kids, my daughter, you know, she was older and, I confessed, you know, to infidelities and um, going, going to church at the time after confessing all that, but yeah, being suicidal. That's where, that's where I go with church too. Is like, I, I respect pastors and people who do what they do because I didn't have, you know, health, mental health insurance. Um, I was borderline suicidal and it was a pastor who met with me. It was finally, I met with a number of pastors, but finally one listened, right? It's just, you didn't, you know, have a bunch of solutions and here, go read your Bible and, and all that stuff. You know, the pat answers. He just, he just, you know, he was empathetic and he right. said, I'm sorry. And that yeah. sucks, you know? And, and uh, so it was, it, it was those guys who really, helped me get on the road to giving a crap about myself and, and even thinking that their freedom was possible. Here's a question. We'll, we'll land the plane with this. Uh, got a conversation with a listener recently about deconstructing, you know, and when you get to this place where you start to shed those, you know, every man's battle kind of ways of thinking about sexuality and, start to understand grace, start to understand that we're kids, right? This guy's, you know, hey, I don't yell at my three-year-old for falling down, you know, and 
send him off to some hell because of that, right? Like I love my kids. I'm nurturing my kids and pulling them along. Um, when when that, that deconstruction happens, I guess his fear was, well, am I going to just not care about porn? What would you say to that? What would you say to someone who's, well, why is porn a big deal? Isn't it just a religious thing? Um, a guilt thing, right? Or a shame right, thing, right? right. So what, what, it's interesting because for me, um, the addiction to pornography went away quite quickly. Um, but it's not that I never looked at porn ever again. That when you are an addict, especially in the Christian sense or in a religious sense, um, you can't, it's hard to reconcile the two. Yeah. Um, because you begin to uh, think of, um, you go, no, if I'm free from addictions, it means I never do that again because for them, addiction is a behavior. That's it. It's a behavior. And yeah. we're in the business of behavior modification instead of the felt experience. I don't look at porn anymore. It's been a long, long time. I can't remember. It's, it's been years. And I can't remember the last time I looked at it. But it's not because I don't find it or, or is it, that I don't find it attractive or find it interesting or find some of it to be really beautiful or even sexy or, or whatever or, or erotic. It's because I got to a point where I'm like, this isn't really helpful. <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't, and, and, and it became completely a choice. You know, and, that, and that's the big thing is that, is that addiction is when you don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, and people like to say it's a choice, and Christians especially, I heard this over and over again in church counseling and everything like that. It's a choice, it's a choice, it's a choice. I'm like, no, if it was a choice, then I would have the right and the freedom and the feeling, the ability, the power in my body, I'd have the power to say no to it. But I didn't, and that's why I couldn't stop. Yeah. And so it, when it became, once it became a choice, then I think I'd say for a couple of years, because it happened pretty quick for me when I started to heal, couple of years sometimes I chose it but I knew it I was consciously saying that is me medicating using this as medicine to deal with the stress that I'm feeling or the pain that I'm feeling or something I'm feeling instead of dealing with the pain and that means that if I medicate it today it's still going to be there tomorrow and the whole the whole model of it had completely shifted from from one of behavior modification to one of healing or not healing there's a choice to heal or not heal do you want to do this work to heal or do you want to not heal and he, and the cool thing is, is that I saw the benefit, the actual practical benefit of healing. It's like when you first start eating healthy and it takes a, just takes a little bit and all of a sudden you start losing weight and you start feeling better and you start feeling clean. And then you go have that fast food burger after two months of eating clean or whatever and you just feel like shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're going, oh, well, that day all of a sudden it becomes, you really see the choice and you go, oh, and it yeah. just reminds yeah. you of the thing. So I remember going back to pornography a few times and going, yeah, that's really doesn't help. And it just delays the inevitable. I, I got to go here. I got to heal. I got to work through this part and, and become better. And then I started seeing that benefit of my marriage starting to be great. And even my love life with my wife being, you know, my sex life becoming better. And, and I started seeing myself becoming a better father and becoming less temperamental and not being such an asshole. And I, you know, I, mean, I saw my business got better. My, I started making more money. All these things started happening because there was this wholeness that was taking place, right? Right. So, so I always tell people, like, you know, you can make a big deal out of porn or not, it's a bit, but you're missing the point as long as you're fixated on it. If you're fixated on that yeah. as a religious thing and not a religious thing, and you want to look at porn, don't do it, but do ask the question, is it beneficial? Does yeah. it help? 
you get to the goal. And if you don't have a vision for what it is you want to be or what you want to do, like I had very distinct visions. I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good father in the classical sense where my kids liked me yeah, and wanted yeah. to be around me more. And I, and I wanted my wife to really like me a lot and want to make love to me. I wanted, I wanted my business to make money and be successful. And I wanted my clients to do, to, to find a better one. And I wanted to wake up every day and feel good. Just feel good. Wake up and oh, I feel great. Those were simple goals, but they were distinct goals. And if you don't have that, if you don't have a vision for what you want, then you can't really say this is helping me achieve that or not. You know what I mean? So right, you, start, right. you do start there. You go, what is that I want? What, what do I want? And is porn helping me achieve that? And if it's a choice, you're, if, you've, if, if you've come to a place of healing in your body where you go, yeah, I don't have to look at porn. I want to look at porn because I find big boobs sexy and I haven't seen them in a while or whatever. Well, do it. But then you have, to, you have to be able to assess. You have to be able to look at it and go, did that help? Did it not? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's, exactly. it's, it's not a sin to look at pornography. It's not. Like, to look at a naked woman's body is not a sin. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a question of does it help you or does it not help you? And yeah. so, yeah. I, so the, the model and the paradigm that I always, you know, even with, with my, my son, when him and I are having conversations about girls and having conversations about school and women and whatever else, you know, is going on, it's a question of does it help you get to where you want to be? Which is why it's so distinct to have a vision for where you want to be. You know, that's really, really important. Yeah. And, uh, so, and it's not a kind of a, like that's the thing that drives me. That's not what drives me. I, I think that what drives me is just life. Yeah, I have this light inside of me that kind of gets me up in the morning. But I definitely have a vision for what I want to be. You know, what, what I want. To be. And, and now that I feel like I am a good father and I am a good husband, I, I'm a good businessman. I'm out of a job right now because our, you know, our business is suspended here in Hawaii. But I, have, I still have another vision of kind of where I want to take things, you know? Yeah. I've been a husband, and now with this podcast, you know, I've got a vision for what I want to be. And I'll tell you what, going to looking at porn would not help me be a better podcast person. When, you know what I mean? Me yeah. talking about, about freedom from pornography is not, it's probably not a helpful thing for me to look at porn in the process. So what do I do? I, I have other ways. I, I use meditation. Um, yeah. I use, I exercise, I eat healthy. I do these things that kind of help my body chug along in a really healthy way. Um, and when I feel intense things like stress and strain, I, I, I use meditation to help with that. So and I hit. Right. Yeah. yeah. I tell people to just like, stop thinking about porn, <laughs> get off it. Like, yeah. go. it's not a thing. It's, if we, get, we're, we give it power, when we give it attention. I like the metaphor of, uh, if you've seen the film, um, a beautiful mind, yeah, where you know the character is dealing with uh, schizophrenia. Or, there's these two characters in his life that are constantly yeah. there and traumatizing him and telling him all sorts of horrible things about himself. And yeah, we give them, we give that voice, we give those thoughts way too much power. You know, yeah. I like towards the end of the film, like they're still there, but they're over there. Like he right. sees them kind of in the distance, and they're kind of looking at him and. They just don't have power over him anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of where I like to. to uh, yeah, we give them. We give that. We our, our attention is the power we give away, and so and it's not. If you're addicted, if you're addicted to porn, like I said, and it's not a choice, then you've got a different thing going. That's where I go. Hey, we got to talk about how you heal. We have to do have to talk about exactly. Yeah, the, the porn is a symptom of a yeah. deeper. Yeah, yeah. It's something deeper going on. But if you're at a point where it's a choice and you're trying to decide whether you want to do it or not because you like it. Yeah. Then I go, well, 
yeah, then you, then you, it's about your goals. Like what do you want? You know? So yeah. Anyway, man. Very true. Well, Hey buddy, you guys, thanks for coming on and, and, uh, we're excited for uh, for your your new podcast and yeah yeah where we'll, my we'll, pilgrimage is going and we'll get the trailer out uh, tomorrow probably and then we're gonna that's his job he's gonna <laughs> and make sure like advice on that stuff and helping us with that too and then um, and then we're gonna we're gonna start just doing a bunch of recording um, so that by the end of the month we're hoping to have at least ten episodes if you can by June first and we can start uh, just popping them out once a week and we're gonna keep going so. Hopefully, there you go. Yeah. And maybe one day when uh, the world gets back to normal, uh, some fly-in kind of workshops yeah. out there. Yeah, actually, we've got several churches that have been contacting and talking, including Willow Creek, which is interesting. Um, they've been talking about my pilgrimage uh, material um, and about Seth going out and doing talks. You know, he's available now to do that. Of course, he, he goes out and get and he's, he can get talks anywhere. He's in the, he's on the mainland. I'm in Hawaii. It's a little harder for me to get around. Right. Uh, um, anybody's welcome to come to Hawaii. I'll talk to anybody here. Yeah. And there's a lot of good podcast people here um, that, that are, that I, I'm going to chat with and learn more and more about it. So, um, but yeah, and then we're going to try to build up this studio because this guy's heading off to college in August. So we're going to try and turn this into a, kind of a, right now it's a, it's a bedroom and we're going to do something more with it. Maybe some sound, there you go. Sound fall. This guy's, that's his job. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> Some screens down there or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, man. You bet. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later, and thanks again. It's mypilgrimage.com, right? Yeah, yeah you can go there now, and uh, there's a link to join the Facebook group. Anybody can join, and uh, be, be kind of keep an eye on that. On June 1st, we'll launch the whole site. Cool. All right. You guys have a good one, all right? Yeah, thanks thanks all again. Right. Okay. There goes David and Andrew and my pilgrimage. The Facebook group is really good. All right. If you need someone to talk to, and a lot of you do, especially during this coronavirus quarantine time, um, I really encourage you to check out the Facebook group, my pilgrimage, just search for it in groups. Um, seriously. It's really good stuff. It's put together really well for a social media um, group on Facebook. A um, lot of support. Really good people there. Uh, very poignant 6 a.m. song. Till next time. Bye. You, know, you can talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Don't.